This is a time of year in which our thoughts turn to improving our life. It makes perfect sense to us to take advantage of the start of a new year, to look for new patterns for our lives, because we always want to improve, don't we? We want to buy things that are improved, a new and improved shampoo, you know, a new and improved product. And we want to improve as well, don't we? You want to improve as well. That's why we, we go to school and then we get additional training and we maybe move up to another job or another position. And we want to improve. We might move from one house to a, a bigger one or one that meets our needs a little bit better. And we want the, the present to be better than the past. And we want the future to be better than the present. Now, if you're given to making New Year's resolutions, and a lot of people do that, if you like to do that, I think that's a good thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with resolving to make a change for the better, to make a change to improve. A resolution, all a resolution is, is an act of determining. It's a determination. It's an act of saying, I'm, I'm going to do this. That's all it is. And I think it's a good thing. I know a lot of people say, well, resolutions are a waste of time and we shouldn't even bother with them. They're an exercise in futility. And a lot of times it ends up being that way. And it does end up being that way because we make resolutions, but we base them on our own strength, what we think we can do or we think we're going to be able to accomplish. And I think, I think making resolutions are a good thing, but you've got to base them on what God can do in you. You've got, to, you've got to start off, first of all, with a spiritual resolution. Daniel made a resolution. In Daniel 1.8, we, we read that when Daniel was taken from his homeland to Babylon, a strange land, a strange culture, and they, they tried to convert him, him and his friends, into people of that land, people of that culture, but Daniel 1 it says that Daniel resolved, that's a resolution, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. So he made a resolution because they told him, we're going to give you this food. He says, I don't want to defile myself with that food. So he made a resolution, he wouldn't do that. But then he also came up with a plan to do what he resolved to do. And, and, and this is where a lot of people fail is that, they make a resolution, but they don't really have a plan to follow through. They say, I, I want to do this, I want to do that. And, and maybe they have a general idea of how they want to accomplish it, but they don't really have a plan that they can, they can implement and, and follow through. But Daniel resolved, made a resolution, then he made a plan. And look at verse 12, Daniel 1.12. He said this to the people in authority over him there in Babylon. He said, please... Test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat instead of the royal food and wine. He says, give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. And of course, we know that at the end of the 10 days, they, they were stronger. They looked better than the other young men who were being trained along with them and who were being fed the royal food and wine with which Daniel didn't want to contaminate himself. And so he had a plan and he put it into, into place and it, and it worked out. And so God blessed what, what he did. And so people make resolutions, that, that's fine. Uh, but a lot of times they, they don't uh, keep them. And that's kind of painful. And, and I was looking, uh, looking up what the top five res or what the top resolutions are uh, from year to year and i found the top five most common 
New Year's resolutions, according to Nielsen, this is according to Nielsen, uh, if you look up another list, it might look a little bit differently than this one. This is from a couple of years ago. But I think they pretty much stay the same. So these were the top five most common New Year's resolutions, according to Nielsen. Number five is to spend more time with family and friends. Right? I think a lot of us say, you know what, I'm going to be more present. I, I saw somebody who, who on Twitter said, I'm going to be more present this year with my family. I'm going to put my phone down, my cell phone down when we eat and spend more time with them and family and friends. So that's, you know, that's a good resolution. Number four is spend less, save more. Yeah, a lot of people make resolutions related to money, right? I need to get out of debt or I, I need to um, save more money or get a better job that pays me more. Spend less, save more. Number three is enjoy life to the fullest. You know, people say life is too short. I'm going to enjoy life. Enjoy all my relationships, everything about life. Number two, the second most common resolution is lose weight. See, I thought that would be number one. Yeah, I would think that one would outweigh all the others. Right? Sorry. Okay, lose weight is the second most common. I did find that number one in other lists as well. So it, it, they're pretty close because the number one Number one resolution is to stay fit and healthy. And, uh, and I think that's good. And that's really my main motivator for exercising and eating healthy is I, I want to I be healthy. I want to stay fit. I want to be healthy. I want to enjoy life with good health. And I think it's great that many people want to live healthy. Because even the ones that say, well, I want to lose weight. Well, they want to be healthy. right? They want to live healthy. And so I think that's great. But I, I believe that more important than being physically fit and healthy is being spiritually fit and healthy. That really is the foundation for everything else that we do. In fact, if we can prioritize our spiritual health, if we can prioritize our spiritual health above all else, then many of these other goals will be easier to reach. Many of these other resolutions will be easier to keep if we start first with our spiritual health. Jesus said that. He said it this way. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things. He was talking about the material things, the food that we need, the provision. He was talking about the clothes that we wear. He says, all these other material things will be added to you. So he says, seek first God and his righteousness. And then all the other things will be added to your life. So we start with the spiritual first and then we add everything else. And so... What I want to do is I want to read from Hebrews 10 because I find there uh, a passage of scripture in, where, in which the, the writer to the Hebrews builds a very convincing case for making resolutions. But instead of reinventing the wheel, God tells us here what resolutions he wants us to make, what decisions, what determinations he wants us to make. So let's read from Hebrews 10 beginning with verse 19. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water." Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, 
For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, so as I said, I believe the writers of the Hebrews here, and we don't know who he is. We don't know if Paul wrote this or Apollos or somebody else. So uh, he's an anonymous writer. Some people, some people are, are, are sure, they're convinced it was Paul. Others say, no, it wasn't Paul. We don't really know, but whoever he was, the writers of the Hebrews builds a compelling case here for making four resolutions in this passage. And these are resolutions to establish new patterns in our lives. Patterns that, that will pay huge dividends for us, huge dividends for our families, and quite frankly, for our church. So let us look at these four resolutions that we're encouraged, that we're taught, in fact, uh, commanded to, to make. The first one is this, resolve to draw near to God. He says in verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. And so if you're going to make a resolution today, Make a resolution that, you're, that this year you're going to draw near to God. Beginning today, you're going to draw near to God. And the writer to the Hebrews says, we have a chance to do this because of Jesus' death on the cross. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he opened the way for us to go directly into God's presence without having to go through a priest to intercede for us or to pray for us. We can go directly into God's presence because of what Jesus did on the cross. So... Resolve to draw near to God this year. Now, what are you doing or what can you do to draw near to God? You know, I'm, I'm amazed to discover people who profess to be Christians, who profess to be followers of Christ, who don't spend regular, consistent time in God's word, reading God's word daily or in prayer daily. It's like their only intake of God's word is when they come to church on Sunday or when they go to church on Sunday. Let me tell you, if the only time that you draw from God's Word, if the only time that you draw teaching and inspiration and even life change from God's Word is when you go to church, then I can guarantee you that it's not enough. You're not going to make it. It's a it's a difficult world out there and we face a real enemy of our souls. And we need more than one day a week or in some cases even less than that to be drawing strength from God's word. We've got to be doing this on a daily basis because that's how we draw near to God. Drawing near to God is not just a matter of saying, oh, I think I'll, 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 I'll get closer to God this year. Well, there's got to be a plan for that. You've got to have a plan for that. And, and that includes our daily Bible reading and study and prayer. You know, there are Christians who only pray in a crisis. They only look for God in a crisis. How will they hear from God? How will they gain strength from God's presence if they're never in God's presence through prayer and through Bible study? You know, drawing near to God is really about seeking God. It's really about seeking God. In fact, I read that the Hebrew word that is translated to seek God, or to, rather to seek the, the Hebrew word translated seek means to trample underfoot, to trample underfoot. And the idea is that if you frequently seek out your neighbor, let's say you have a next door neighbor and you frequently seek out your neighbor, then you, you're going 
You're going to trample a path underfoot to his house. You're going to create a path to his house. Right? So th- there should be a, a well-worn path between you and God because you go there so often. When our girls were little, we had a next-door neighbor, an elderly couple, that um, we're very uh, fine couple, lovely couple, Christians. Um, they attended Salvation. In fact, they were very involved in the Salvation Army. Uh, and so we would share our daily newspaper with them. The girls were little. They'd, we'd read the paper and then we'd fold it back up and they would take the paper next to them. And there was a well-worn path to their house. In fact, uh, the path was, that, that, that well-worn path was between some trees. They had some uh, pine trees, a couple of pine trees in front of the house. And the girls would go between the trees and the house. That was their path. And sometimes they go around the front, but occasionally the girls would say, let's go through the woods, and they'd go through that little path. It's just two trees, you know, to go take the paper next door. And it was well-worn because they did that every single day. So that's what it means to seek something, to travel this well-worn path. And so if you're going to seek God, then there's got to be a well-worn path between you and God because you go to Him every day. What a great privilege this invitation is to draw near to the living God. But it won't happen if you don't make it a priority to spend time alone with God. The second um, resolution that we are to make is this. Resolve to hold on to hope. Resolve to hold on to hope. In verse 23. And, and this phrase implies that there is some danger or difficulty that is trying to pry us loose from our hope in Christ. There's something in our lives and there's something coming up this year in 2018 that is going gonna, is gonna to try to pry your life, to pry you loose from your hope in Christ. Now we know this was true of the Hebrew Christians who received this letter because they were facing intense persecution because they were followers of Christ, because they were Hebrews who were now following Christ. They were facing intense persecution which made them... Consider giving up their faith. Make them consider giving up their hope. The hope they had professed. They were thinking about this. And the writer to the Hebrews knew that. And this is why he wrote to them to encourage them not to give up their hope. But he told them, let us hold on to the hope that we have professed. This is so important because hope points to the certain promises of God but promises that are not yet fulfilled. There are certain promises because God is faithful. We know He's faithful. But while we wait for them to to be fulfilled, we may be tempted. During that time of waiting, during that gap between the promise and the fulfillment, we might be tempted to let go of our hope in God. And 2018 will no doubt bring its share of problems and pain for all of us. Some of you might even feel like you've already had more than your share. Or you might think, I'm sure I'm going to have more than my share based on past experiences. Based on 2017, that was rough. What's going to happen this year? And you might feel like giving up on God. I want to join with the writers of the Hebrews and tell you, don't do it. Don't give up on God. Even if you go through the valley of shadow of death, just hold on to that hope that you have professed. Even if the world around you is shaken, 
Even if the world around you is falling apart, hold on to that hope. Even if the wheels are coming off, it looks like the wheels are coming off your life, at your job or at home, your health, whatever it might be. Hold on to hope because God who gives you that hope is faithful. God is faithful. He's faithful to hold you up when you think you can't go another step further. He's faithful to restore your joy. He's faithful to make all things work together for good because you love God, because you're called according to His purpose. So resolve to hold firm to that hope that you have in God through Jesus Christ. You know, in this same book of Hebrews, the very next chapter, chapter 11, is filled with the names of men and women who were commended for one thing. They were commended because they kept the faith. Because they held on to their hope. Some of these men and women that are listed in chapter 11 of Hebrews were men and women who prayed for miracles and God granted, granted them those miracles. They saw great things come to pass. And others on that list also prayed for miracles, but they didn't see the miracles in their lifetime. They didn't receive the miracles. And yet, they still held on to hope. Yet they still kept the faith. They prayed for miracles and they died without receiving the miracles, but they never gave up hope. They never lost their faith. They kept the faith because they held on to hope. So throughout this year, you're going to face some difficult times, but hold on to your hope. Don't give up. Speak words of hope. Speak words of faith, not words of defeat. Well, there's another resolution that the writer to the Hebrews encourages us to make, and that is this. In verse 24, he tells us, resolve to encourage one another. Resolve to encourage one another. We need to be encouragers through our words and actions. An encourager, you know what an encourager is? An encourager is simply someone who puts courage into somebody else's life. You put courage there. You encourage someone. And this is so important because in this world, we need people who will encourage others. This is such a, a hard world, isn't it? It's a hard world out there. You know, my, my college roommate, one of my college roommates and I, when uh, we were in college, we thought we knew a lot. <laughs> we thought we knew it all. Turns out we didn't. But you know how college kids can be. So we used to laugh. We were in college. We used to laugh at our professors and other adults who would say, well, when you get out into the real world, we think, we would look at each other and say, what, is, what does he think we're in, a fantasy world? This is a real world. This is hard. College is hard. And then we graduated, and we got out into the real world. We are like, oh, I see what he was talking about. Life is hard. Life is hard, and people need encouragement. People need someone to put courage into them because they feel defeated. But you know what this does? This... This resolution speaks of relationships. Because we can't encourage people from afar. We can't just be drive-by encouragers. We'd like to be because I don't want to get involved. I'll just shoot them a message. And that's good. That's you know, nothing wrong with that. But if that's all we're doing, if we're not getting involved in people's lives, then it's really hard to encourage them on a deeper level. We must get near people, get to know them, share life with them. We've got to take off our masks, get out of our comfort zones, and establish real relationships. 
relationships with, with non-believers, relationships with believers, so we can encourage them and so we can be encouraged by them. You know, sometimes we might get angry because no one encourages me when I'm down. I miss church this Sunday. Nobody called me. Nobody cares for me. Nobody looks me up. But you know what? That's why it's important to be in a relationship with other people, with other believers. So we not only can be in a position to encourage people, but be in a position to be encouraged. It works both ways. God is calling us to encourage one another. One another. That means that encouragement happens best in a family, in a group setting, in a family of believers. You know, and... and in our church, as in most churches, one of the best places to do this is in a smaller group setting. For us, it's on Wednesday nights where we have more time uh, to uh, fellowship, more time to talk. It's a smaller setting that's more conducive to encouraging where you can pray for each other, encourage one another. So I encourage you, if you want to be in a position to be an encourager and you want to receive encouragement from others, Get involved in, in the life of this church. Get involved in the life of this church. Come to our Wednesday night Bible study where you have more time to eat together and laugh and talk. And uh, I, I know for a fact that some of the people uh, in our Wednesday night group are, are just funny. And they have a way of make pe- making people laugh. And sometimes laughter is the best medicine. And it's encouraging as well. So get involved on Wednesday nights and and find a place where you can be encouraged and you can encourage others. But throughout the year, resolve that you are going to encourage others. We're going to encourage one another. And then finally, let us resolve. We said, first of all, let us resolve to draw near to God. Let us resolve to hold on to hope. Let us resolve to encourage one another. And finally, resolve not to give up meeting together. Verse 25. Let us not... Give up meeting together is what it says. Not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, the writers of the Hebrews knew that some of the Hebrew Christians, again, because of the persecution they were facing, had given up their meeting together. It wasn't easy for them. It wasn't easy for them because they were being threatened with their own lives. But he challenged them, look, and and he, he knew what they were facing. But he challenged them, he says, don't give up meeting together. No matter how much easier it might be to stay away, don't give up meeting together. So I want to encourage you, resolve this year to be a regular church attender. Make this a pattern for the new year and for a new life. Make this a strong habit in your life because not coming to church can very easily become a habit this is why he said don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing verse 25 because even people who are regular church attenders can easily get into a habit of not coming to church once you don't uh, come to church you're like hey this is kind of neat being able to sleep in on sunday I think I, I could do this, you know, and, and but I'll go to church. But then you stay away again. And then before you know it, it becomes a habit. It's so easy to, for it to become 
a habit. Once you start staying away, it's easy to stay away. Once you stop coming, it's hard to start coming again. Because we, we live by habits. We live by customs. So he's saying, look, make the custom in your life. Make it a pattern. Resolve not to give up meeting together. So you've got to decide that. In fact, if you don't give up meeting together, then you'll find the strength to not give up hope. Because one of the functions of meeting together for worship is that it allows us to encourage one another. I'm so encouraged when I see you here. I'm so encouraged when, when this place is full and, uh, and, and we worship God together. There's, there's just something about that synergy. There's something about that synergy of coming together and worshiping God together that's encouraging for us as, as individuals, as a family, as a church, as we move forward. So if you're going to resolve something, resolve that you're going to be a regular church attender and that you won't stay away unless you're, you're sick or there's a legitimate reason. Sometimes you have to work. I mean, there's a multitude of reasons that we might not be able to come. But if, if you're fine and there's no reason for you not to come, then resolve that you're going to come. If nothing else, to encourage someone else who might be encouraged when they see you here worshiping God. Now let me finish with this. Did you notice that the writer to the Hebrews started each of these phrases, each of these resolutions, as it were, with the words, let us, let us. These are decisions that are made individually, yes, but also in a group. So that's why he says, let us draw near to God. Let us hold on to hope. Let us encourage one another and not give up meeting together. Let us. Because this is something that you need to do individually. But when we do it as a group, can you imagine what a blessing that will be? I want you to imagine, I want you to envision today, envision right now, what would our church be like? What would Solid Rock be like if we all decided to make these resolutions and to follow through with them? What would 2018 be like for Solid Rock if we all decided, I'm going to draw near to God. I'm going to hold on to the hope. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to be an encourager. And I'm going to encourage others, by, if nothing else, by just coming to church and meeting together. I'm going to resolve not to give up meeting together. If we all as a church made these decisions, if we decided to follow these new patterns for this new year, what would that do for solid rock? Well, if we all... If we all would draw near to God, can you imagine what our, our services would change? We'd be praying, we'd be seeking God because we're doing it at home. We, it just, this would become an overflow of what we're doing at home. We would be just calling on God in our services and the Spirit of God would be moving. Can you envision that? Can you picture that? If we decided we're going to hold on to hope, then we wouldn't get easily discouraged when the trials come and they will come. And you know what? I have to commend some of you because last year, some of you faced some difficult challenges. And you're still here. You're still here. Can you imagine if we all did that? And if we all resolved, we're going to encourage each other. We're going to be a family. We're going to meet on Wednesday nights to, to talk and to learn and to laugh and to eat and to cry and to pray. We're going to have family time. We're going to encourage each other. And if we all said, I'm not going to easily give up. I'm not going to give up. Meeting together, I'm not going to miss church easily. It's going to take some wild horses to keep me away from 
meeting together for worship. How would our church change? I think this place would be full. I think this building would be full. Do you think that by, by the end of this year, by, 2000, uh, by December of 2018, wherever we might be meeting, you think we could have twice as many people attending as are here today? Envision that. Envision that. You know, the service we had, for example, Christmas Eve when this place was full and people are laughing. Can you envision that every single Sunday? Why not? If people would resolve, I'm going to draw near to God, I'm going to hold on to hope, I'm going to be an encourager in the family of God, and I'm going to resolve not to give up meeting together, then, folks, we could double our congregation in one year. Are you envisioning that? Are you saying, well, Pastor, I just don't think that's possible. No, I want you to, to envision that today. Can you imagine what our church would be like if we all made these determinations? So Daniel resolved in his heart. Then he made a plan and he implemented that plan. Can you resolve today that you will do these things and then begin to act on these decisions? Your life will be changed. Your family will be affected. And our church will be blessed. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I thank you for your word today. I believe that you have great things in 2018 for every person here, for every family, and for our church. I believe, dear God, that this could be a year of exponential growth for Solid Rock Church. I believe it could be a year of not just numerical growth, certainly that, but of spiritual growth. As we draw near to you, as we seek you daily, and as we hold on to hope, as we become encouragers in the context of our family, and as we become regular church attenders, I believe, dear God, that our church will explode in growth, spiritual growth, numerical growth. I believe that, Father, if every one of us today will make that decision. Or those decisions, these resolutions. Today, Father, we, we turn to you. We ask for your help. We don't want to make resolutions like the world makes them. Lord, we want to be changed by your power. As we seek you, we want to be transformed by your Holy Spirit. And let your Spirit give us the strength.